Hebrews chapter 13 is the passage of Scripture we read this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, we read this in connection with Lord's Day 33 of the Catechism. We consider in the preaching this morning what good works are, and we read Hebrews 13 especially because of verse 21, but really the whole chapter, but as we read Hebrews 13, pay particular attention to verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly, But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now verses 20 and 21 especially. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. So far we read God's holy and infallible word. It's on the basis of this passage of Scripture and on the basis of many passages of Scripture that we have the teaching of Lord's Day 33 of the Catechism, found on page 19 in the back of the Psalter. Lord's Day 33. Last week we looked at the first three questions and answers. We looked at what true conversion is. And this morning we look just at question and answer 91. But what are good works? Answer, only those which proceed from a true faith are performed according to the law of God and to His glory, and not such as are founded on our imaginations or the institutions of men. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, so far in the Catechism, the Catechism has said quite a few things about good works. Already, way back in Lord's Day 24, the Catechism emphasized the negative place and function of good works. In Lord's Day 24, the Catechism stated that our good works do not in any way contribute to our righteous standing before God. Our good works are never what make us acceptable before God. Our good works are never the ground or the basis on which we are justified before God. In fact, the Catechism says, the truth is, if we would try to use our good works as part of the ground or basis of our righteousness before God, our good works would only condemn us. Because even our best works, our best good works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. Our good works are never the instrument by which we obtain fellowship with God or the means by which we enjoy fellowship and friendship with God. Our good works never obtain, maintain, or regain for us any of salvation's blessings. Further, our good works do not merit with God, nor can we ever merit with God. And further, the Catechism stated that God does reward our good works, but this reward is not of merit, but of grace. That's Lord's Day 24. Then when we came to Lord's Day 32, the Catechism emphasized the positive place and function of good works. Jesus Christ, having redeemed and delivered us by His blood, also renews us by His Holy Spirit after His own image, so that we abound in all good works. Good works are inevitable, as the Apostle puts it in Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God ordained us unto good works. Jesus purchased those good works for us on the cross, and by the Holy Spirit's sweet operation in us, we bring forth good works. The Holy Spirit renews us so that we bring forth good works just like a tree branch brings forth good fruit. 
Good works are also commanded as part of the covenant God has established with us. And good works are commanded as the expression of our thankfulness to God for the salvation He has given us in Jesus Christ. Good works are our duty. We are obligated to bring forth good works. And we also saw how God is pleased to use good works for our own benefit, that we might be assured of our faith by the fruits thereof. And we saw how God is pleased to use our good works for the benefit of others, that others might be gained to Christ. As Jesus puts it in Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That was Lord's Day 32. Then, when we came to Lord's Day 33, we focused on the relationship between conversion and good works. The life of daily conversion is so important because that's how good works are brought forth. Part of conversion is that we, with love and delight, live according to the will of God in all good works. And we can say with the Scriptures, those who are not converted to God and subsequently do not live in good works, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That was Lord's Day 33 and even Lord's Day 32 again. So a lot of talk about good works. But now after all this talk about good works, we still need to consider the question, but what are good works? How do we actually define what a good work is? And that's the question 91 of the that's the question that question 91 of the catechism puts before us, and that's the question we look at this morning in the preaching. But what are good works? To understand everything, we need to answer this question. We take as our theme, but what are good works? And we look at two things. First, we consider what good works are as works. And second, what they are as good. I think normally if a minister would preach just on question and answer 91, he would have three points to his sermon. And those three points would line up with the three characteristics of what a good work is. They're done out of a true faith. They're done according to the law of God. And they are done to God's glory. But I think there's value, especially in the climate of our day, to consider, first of all, what is a good work as a work? As work. There's a strange notion that seems to be popular in some circles that God's people don't actually have to strive to do good works. That good works are purely automatic, as if there is no responsibility on the part of God's people to bring forth good works. And that the Christian, therefore, shouldn't be commanded to bring forth good works, but we should simply sit back and watch as the good works come forth. So that it's even a question whether we should say that God's people actually do good works. Some even ask, do God's people really do good works? Because, well, good works are God's work, not man's work. And the regenerated sinner is such a wicked person anyway that he can't really do good works anyway, right? And people actually feel more comfortable talking about man as if he were a stock in a block than recognizing how God actually saves a man so that in the inmost recesses of his heart, he is changed, he is quickened, and he is corrected so that a man is made a new creature in Jesus Christ. As if someone says, Never mind the commandments God gives me. Don't tell me what God commands me as His child. Let's just wait and see how God is going to bring forth good works through us. Let's just 
have the good works be inevitable. Let's place all the emphasis exclusively on the idea of the inevitability of good works. Beloved, that's an antinomian spirit. Never mind the commandments I'm responsible to keep. Never mind the calling and obligation I have as a redeemed child of God. Never mind the fact that I'm a rational, moral, conscious, responsible creature who knows right from wrong. Never mind the fact that I am a regenerated child of God. Let's just see what God will do. That's an antinomian spirit. And it's something that does need to be addressed in the preaching. It's a real danger for our lives, for the practical way we live. It's another way in which Satan tries to lead God's people astray. So there's value this morning to consider what good works are as works. Now, I want to emphasize right away that when we begin to focus here on this idea of a good work as a work, we're not suddenly denying the reality that God has ordained us unto good works. And we're not suddenly teaching that although God maybe gives us the ability to do good works, it's still ultimately up to us whether we will do good works or not. We are not teaching the Arminian idea that good works are simply offered by God to man for us to choose whether to do them or not. No, it's not as if God does His part, but then we still on our part have to cooperate with God And by our own cooperating with God, we then bring forth good works. As if, in the final analysis, we still pat ourselves on the back for the good works we do. Or at least for the part that we contributed to our good works. The Belgian Confession emphasizes, no. We are beholden to God for the good works we do, and not He to us since it is He which worketh in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God is not indebted to us. We are indebted to God for the privilege of doing good works. The Belgian Confession also emphasizes, Therefore it is impossible that this holy faith can be unfruitful in man. For we do not speak of a vain faith, but of such a faith that worketh by love, which excites man to the practice of those works which God has commanded in His Word. God is the one who excites us unto good works. God is the one who effects conversion in the life of the child of God. We looked at that last week, so that the child of God brings forth good works. And God is the one who provides us the good works that we are privileged to bring forth. But the fact is, by the sweet bending of our wills by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit's operation within us, We do perform good works. By the Holy Spirit's operation within us, we do put forth effort and exertion in the bringing forth of good works. God's grace is not compelling, but impelling. God's grace does not act as an obstruction or blockage on the path of man's will, but God's grace rather works internally, changing the will. So that not only are our wills influenced and actuated by God, but in consequence of this influence, become themselves active. And now, being God's regenerated children, we exercise our wills to His glory. And being God's regenerated children, God also interacts with us accordingly. God doesn't treat us as senseless stocks and 
blocks. God doesn't talk to us as senseless stocks and blocks. But he calls us children. He calls us servants. And he calls us to bring forth good works. And we are called to exercise exertion and effort that we might be careful to maintain good works. We do good works. That's the Christian's life. That's the Christian's responsibility. And all the while, we confess that it is God who works it in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Ultimately, all of this discussion boils down to the relationship between God's sovereignty and God's sovereign grace on the one hand, and man's responsibility and the fact that man is a rational, volitional creature on the other hand. And this intimate relationship between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility comes out very beautifully in the passage we read this morning. Verse 21 of Hebrews 13, where we read this. Notice the language. Start at verse 20. Now the God of peace, that's where we start. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, Now, the God of peace make you perfect in every good work. To do, to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. God works it in us so that we do His will. God, by the Holy Spirit's operation within us, makes us perfect in every good work, and we do good works. God works in us that which is well-pleasing in His sight so that we do that which is well-pleasing in His sight. And then what do you have in the rest of the chapter? But all kinds of commandments. This is what you must do. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to show hospitality. Let your conversation be without covetousness. This is what you must do. Work at it. Work out your own salvation. God knows the work He is doing in us. And then He speaks to us as rational, moral creatures, commanding us to do His will. Another fitting passage is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You see, the question is this, how can I do good works? How can I do this hard thing that God is calling me to do? And the apostle says, don't worry. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you have all sufficiency in all things so that you may abound to every good work. And there you see again the relationship between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Well, to now get to the point, we ask the question, so what are good works as works? What is a good work as a work? I have five things. First of all, works are those deeds consciously and volitionally performed by rational moral creatures. They are consciously and volitionally out of the will. They are done out of the will volitionally, by rational, moral creatures. Strictly speaking, a creature like a rock or a dog or the sky 
is not able to perform good works. We know the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky shows God's handiwork. But the sky is not an intelligent creature, consciously and willingly producing works of praise to God. With us, it is different. We are humans. God created us as personal beings with an intellect and a will so that we are able to live consciously before His face, performing works of service in love to Him and love for the neighbor. Just as the angels in heaven are doing good works, so God's people are doing good works. We are rational, moral creatures. That's how God has created us. And God never violates the work of His own creation. That is, God never violates the nature of man. He never turns us into robots doing His will merely like robots. God, in the execution of His eternal decree and His good pleasure, He never interferes between the heart and the will and the mind of a man on the one hand and the actions of that man on the other hand. But just as the act of faith And the act of repentance proceeds from the will of man so that we can rightly be said to believe. So we can rightly say that man believes and man repents. So we can also say man does good works. But again, it's only by virtue of the grace received that man does these things. So works are those deeds consciously and volitionally done by rational, moral beings. This is part of our everyday experience that, that you maybe even think it's odd maybe that our pastor is preaching about this. We know what works are. We are doing works. We work every day of our lives. We're working, serving God's glory. And this is part of what's so wonderful and mysterious about God's work of salvation. It's all of His sovereignty. We know that, and yet we are still rational, moral, willing, responsible creatures. And there is something about that reality that is above us as finite creatures. But just because it's above us doesn't mean that we should deny it or be afraid of it. But we should acknowledge that and then use that even to praise God more for how He shows us in still another way that He is God. And His ways are far higher than our ways. That first of all. Second of all, the doing of good works is work. It requires energy and effort. In the Greek, the word for work in the New Testament is the word ergon. It's the word from, we, it's the word from which we get the word energy, energy, energize, ergon. This work indicates that works, whether they're evil works or good works, They do not automatically proceed from the doer, but in producing the works, the doer must consciously exert himself. So that when we are commanded to do good works, the command is to exert yourself. Do work. Do work. Do good works. This is biblical. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to labor in good works. He knew what it was to labor. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, he writes... But I labored more abundantly than they all. And the word labor there means exhausting toil. Paul's life of good works took tremendous effort. It was constant self-denial. Just because he was a believer didn't mean his good works automatically flowed from him. It took work. 
Think of what he writes at the end of the book of Galatians. He writes, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't become weary. You're going to go to work this week for the next five, six days of the week. You might be tempted to grow weary because good works, serving the Lord in your job, takes work. Don't become weary. He says the same thing, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 13, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Think of a branch. I use this figure with the catechism students all the time. A branch connected to a vine. Well, the branch, think of the branch. The fruit that hangs down from the branch doesn't just get tacked onto the branch with a piece of scotch tape. No, but that fruit is fruit that grows out of the branch. It grows out of the branch. The very fact that the branch needs water and it needs fertilizer and it needs sunlight and it needs to be connected to the trunk emphasizes that the bringing forth of fruit takes energy. It takes work. That's the same with the child of God. We need spiritual food and drink because it's hard work to live a life being careful in maintaining good works. And it's only by virtue of our connection to the trunk that we can bring forth good works because all our life flows from the trunk. That's second. Third, works are something we do. I already touched on that a bit, but I want to expand and emphasize that. I do good works. You do good works. James 1 verse 25 puts it this way. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. 1 Timothy 6 verse 18. There Paul gives instruction concerning the rich and he writes that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Good works are something we do, something we perform, produce, work, or accomplish. When we do good works, we are doing something. We are producing something. Just as a fruitful branch produces, brings forth good fruit, and an unfruitful branch is cut off. Now this is one way in which works are different from faith, and we can distinguish works from faith. In Romans 4, as well as in Romans chapters 2 and 3, the apostle clearly distinguishes between these two, between faith and works. Faith is not a work. Faith is not a doing. We don't perform faith as if faith is a work we do. To be sure, faith is an activity. It is an activity and work, working is an activity. But faith is not a work. Faith is not a work we perform, a work we do that, that gets us saved. Because you are saved by grace through faith. And faith is not a work. If faith were, if we would say that, that would be a corruption of the gospel. The call of the gospel is not work. The call of the gospel is believe. Because the gospel itself is this. It is finished. Jesus Christ has done everything. And the call is not work, but believe. 
For faith is the activity, it is the instrument by which we embrace Jesus Christ and His works alone as the basis of our righteous standing before God. Christ worked. Christ produced good works of Himself. And He did all the work that His Father had given Him to do. He did all the works that we were required under the law to do. He did all those works for us in our place. And on the basis of Christ's work, perfect work, on the basis of Christ working the works of God, working them in perfect righteousness, and through faith, through the instrument of faith, we are saved. That's the whole second section of the catechism. We've already gone through that. And now, out of Christ, on the basis of Christ's perfect work, by the sweet operations of the Holy Spirit, we work. And God commands us to work. He says work, not to earn anything, but as my redeemed children and as my servants, work. As Ephesians 4 verse 28 puts it, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, let him work. Working with his hands the thing which is good, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. God calls his people his servants, and then he gives them callings in his kingdom. And graciously, he calls them to labor, to work in his kingdom. Being conformed more and more to the image of God, we work good works in thankfulness to God. But the point now is simply this. Good works are something we do. That's third of all. And then we can add two more things. Fourth, good works will manifest themselves. They will show themselves in the life of the believer. Good works are not just something internal, although they... They are internal. But good works also show themselves in the life and the behavior of the believer. You will know them by their fruit. And then fifth, the works that we do are either good works or evil works. Either they are good works or they are evil works. So so this is what a work is. This is what we're covering right now. Good works as works. Works are those deeds which are consciously and volitionally performed by rational, moral creatures. Good works, the doing of works, requires energy and effort, ergon. Works are something we do. Works show themselves in the life of the, uh, the individual. And works are either good works or they are evil works. This is what works are. This leads us now into the second point of the sermon. So we understand what good works are as works, but now how can we call them good What does it mean for a work to be good? Well, yes, the Scriptures call some of our works good. God Himself calls some of our works good. And so the question is, what makes a work good? What does it mean for something to be good? To be good means that something is excellent in quality. Excellent in quality. It is beautiful in character. And it's useful for its intended ends. You know the difference between a good fruit and a bad fruit. What makes a work good? Well, Scripture calls a believer's work good when it is good. Because in principle, that work possesses a beautiful spiritual character. It's good according to the judgment of God Himself. Now notice, we're not saying it's a perfect good work. It's not perfect. We wish we could do perfect works. 
We long for that. The good that I would, the good that I want to do, perfection, I do not. I don't do it. Because we're, we have this, this body of death that we're living in. The sinful nature that pollutes everything that I touch. And I groan within me and I say, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then I say, thanks be to God who has given me the victory and who will give me that victory in its perfect realization someday in Jesus Christ. One day I will be able to perform perfect works. And that is my hope. But in this life, my good works are not perfect. Nevertheless, they are good. According to God's own judgment, they are good, imperfect, good works. How can they be good? Well, question and answer 91 of the Catechism. The Catechism spells out the three things that make a work good. You have to take into consideration these three, three things. First, whether it proceeds from a true faith. Second, whether it's done according to the law of God. And third, whether it's done to His glory. Let's treat those three things now. Let's treat them in a slightly different order. First, the second one, the standard. They must match up our works. For them to be good, they must match up according to the standard of God's law as revealed to us in Scripture. We don't determine what is good. God's law determines what is good. As the Catechism emphasizes, it's not our imaginations that determine whether something is good. It's not the institutions of men, it's not other men telling us that it's good, that makes it good. We don't say, the end justifies the means. We can't say, well, just because I had good intentions and good motivations, therefore we can call it good. No, God's law determines what is good. And God's law involves two things here. First, there's the outward deed. The outward deed itself needs to be in conformity with God's law. Murdering a person is sin. Doesn't matter what your intention is. Murdering a person is sin. Stealing is sin. Doesn't matter what your intention is. The outward deed itself needs to be in conformity to God's law. And then second, there's also the inward deed. There's the matter of the heart issue. Am I doing this work out of love for God and my neighbor? Because that's really the ultimate standard of God's law. I'm doing it out of love for God and I'm doing it out of love for my neighbor. I'm not just helping him out. I'm loving him. I don't just work hard on the job, but I'm doing it out of love for God and love for my neighbor. I'm not doing it for selfish reasons. Forget about self. This is not about me. This is about God and this is about my neighbor. There are many things that people do that look good on the outside. But on the inside, what is motivating the activity is not love. Maybe it's selfishness in one form or another. Such things are not good works. So the standard is, it must be done according to the law of God. Done out of love for God. Second, there's the aim. That is, what you are aiming for. What your goal is when you do something. Now, that's closely connected to what we just talked about, but slightly different. What is your aim? Is it the glory of God? For a work to be considered a good work, it must also, along with the first thing we've covered, in addition to that, it must be done with the aim being God's glory. You're not working hard to make lots of money. You're not working hard to seek the honor or reputation of men. 
You're working hard because you want to glorify your maker, your father, your savior with everything you have in the calling and station he's given you. You want to do your best because you're doing it for the Lord. One example that comes to my mind is Jehu. Remember Jehu, children? And God gave Jehu the commandment to kill the whole house of King Ahab. And Jehu did it, didn't he? He did it with zeal. He did it quickly. Slaughtered the whole house of King Ahab. But he didn't do it for the Lord. He did it for himself. And that showed itself very clearly when he didn't turn from the idolatry of the golden calf. He didn't call the people to turn back to worship at Jerusalem. But he continued to use the golden calf to pursue his own purposes as king. Think of the Pharisees with all their so-called good works, but they weren't doing it for the Lord. They were doing it so they could stick out their chest and, and strut among the people. This is how many people deceive themselves. They think they're doing a good work, but their motivation is not God's glory, but their own honor, their own advance, their own reputation. For a work to be considered a good work, it must be done to the glory of God. And then third, There is the source. First, the standard, God's law. Second, the aim, God's glory. And then third, the source. A good work must proceed out of a true faith. And this, we leave this for last, because this ultimately is the determining factor for whether a work is good or not. This is the fundamental test. Because if a work proceeds from a good source, then it will be good in principle. And in its in its initial conception, in its initial bringing forth, it will necessarily spring forth from the motive of love for God and done to the glory of God. If you have a good source, then as a result, it will be according to God's law and it will be done to His glory. Now the problem is, by nature, you and I have corrupt natures. By nature, our hearts are totally depraved. By nature, left to ourselves, we are spiritually dead, and a spiritually dead person cannot bring forth good works. He has a bad source. Can a thorn bring forth grapes? Can a thistle bring forth figs? No. And just so, an unbeliever, a spiritually dead God-hater, cannot bring forth the fruit of good works. It is not in him. What must happen? What must happen is that that sinner must be made an entirely new creation. Nothing less than a spiritual recreation in Christ is necessary. A regeneration, a a resurrection from spiritual death to life. And you see, that's exactly what God does in His work of salvation. That is what God has done with you and me as His children. That's what He does in His work of engrafting us into union with Jesus Christ through faith. And the moment Christ's Spirit enters the elect child of God and makes us His eternal dwelling place, we become new creatures in Christ. Into the heart is planted a new thing, a new root of a new heavenly life, a gift called faith. And by faith, that new creature not only is one with Christ, but he's also brought to the conscious knowledge of Christ and enjoyment of Christ and he trusts in Christ as Christ is proclaimed in the gospel. That's, that's what God does with us so that we do these things. And as this new regenerated believing creature lives by faith in the word, 
Knowing God as the God of his salvation. He also lives a new life out of that faith. A new life in all good works. He sees new things. He speaks new words. He walks new paths so that he turns. Right? In conversion, he turns from sin to righteousness. He changes his path. This is the wonder work of God. And it's from this source, this source of that new heart of the regenerated child of God, that good works begin to flow. That's the source. Ultimately, the source is Christ himself. Out of Christ, we bring forth good fruit. Only out of Christ, through faith, the instrument of faith, do we bring forth good fruit. As Paul writes in Romans 14, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Ultimately, ultimately, the source of our good works is the sovereign will. And the, predest- uh, uh, and, and the sovereign will and ordination and predestination of our sovereign God. Just as Ephesians 2 verse 10 puts it. For we are His workmanship. His craftsmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And this is where we are in the catechism congregation. And this is who we are as new creatures in Christ. This is God's work of salvation. So don't deny that the Christian can do good works. Don't poo-poo talk of good works. But praise God as He shows you more and more the wonder and the riches of the salvation He gives you. That even this too is part of the joy of our salvation. This is also what He gives us in Jesus Christ our Savior. He's an awesome God, and our salvation is an awesome salvation. And now seeing all of that as rational, moral creatures, how do we respond? Well, out of the new man in Christ, we respond with thanksgiving. And we respond with living a life of good works to the glory of God. We work. We get to work. We do good works. We obey God's commands, and we do so to the glory of our God and our Savior. And we respond, Lord, thanks for giving me these good works to bring forth. For all these things are of Thee. We are beholden to Thee for these good works. Life in the midst of the church, loving my neighbor, being a blessing, serving. Thank You, Lord, that I'm here. That I'm here. And we respond, Lord, what mercy in every way, thou to show thy people mercy. It is all from grace to grace. Grace the whole way through. And then we also respond, Lord, forgive. Forgive my imperfect handling of these good works that thou dost give me. Thou dost give me good works and I pollute them and I defile them. But I'm so thankful I can do them. Forgive. And we respond, Lord, Give me more and more a passion for good works. Good works of thankfulness for the glorious salvation thou hast given me. Give me more and more a passion for these things. Show me thy glory. Show me thy law. That's, I'm about to say that. Show me thy glory. Show me my salvation. Give me a passion to live unto thee. Give me strength. Isn't that what our daily prayer is? Help me, Lord. Help me, give me strength 
Cause me to grow in grace that I might be a fruitful branch. And whether it be 30-fold or 60-fold or 100-fold, Lord, cause me to grow in grace that I might bring forth fruit to thy glory. And then as the catechism itself directs us, we respond by saying, Lord, teach me thy law. Teach me thy law. Write thy law upon my heart. Instruct me in thy commandments that I might know how to walk in all good works. Congregation, that's where we're headed. Going forward, that's what we're going to spend the next 11 Lord's Days looking at. The law of God. Because we know our salvation. Because we've been regenerated and we want to give God glory. And because we are thankful. Lord, teach me thy law. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, what a wonder thy work of salvation is. We thank thee for the contemplation of it this morning. And we pray that through this meditation and this study, our hearts might be thrilled and we might serve thee diligently and have a passion to serve thee more and more. Bless this preaching to our hearts and to our lives that we all may decrease and Jesus Christ and thy glorious name may increase and thy kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.